message uh, this morning uh, concerning spiritual gifts. Father, I just thank you for the spirit of the living God. Thank you because we have, you've given us this privilege uh, to partake of the spirit of the living God in this age. Use us, O oh God, as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. The message is titled Concerning Spiritual Gifts. And the Bible says, Concerning Spiritual Gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. And a lot of Christians are ignorant of spiritual gifts. Some are even scared of spiritual gifts uh, because they don't understand it. They don't want to go there. Just let me have my ordinary Christian life. Go to church, praise the Lord, and go back home, and now make it to heaven. But God says he doesn't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Concerning spiritual gifts, Paul told us, in uh, uh, First Corinthians chapter 12, I believe verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant. And then he told us, desire spiritual gifts. I just don't want you to know about spiritual gifts. That's not all. I want you to desire spiritual gifts. If you're a healthy Christian living for God and you want more of God, you will desire spiritual gifts. God doesn't want you to stay immature as a Christian. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to do things. I am fully aware that I'm not going to be here always. I'm going to pass on if Jesus tarries and some others will take my place. Possibly here at the Ark Fellowship. Amen. But they need to be equipped. They need to grow. As newborn babes, the Bible says, Desire sincere milk of the Word of God so that you may grow. And uh, uh, the writer of, the, of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6, Let us go on to maturity. So we need to grow. And so we need to understand all of these things. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian Christians that he called babies. He said, I'm not going to talk to you. I can't talk to you as mature Christians because you are still babies. And yet with these babies, they knew about spiritual gifts. Amen. They were busting loose, I guess, if I can use that word, with spiritual gifts. And here we are. We claim maturity, but where are the spiritual gifts? But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I'm through with what we're speaking, I will urge you, if you really have hunger, I'll urge you to be here on a Wednesday night because we're going to practice. Amen. Maybe two people. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I enjoyed it when somebody locked me in the room and said, you guys are not going anywhere until you believe God and receive a word of knowledge. I said, oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> And we waited. And guess what God did? He gave words of knowledge. Some things were revealed in that little room that were awesome. And the guy that God revealed that to, at first he, was, he, he actually came to me. I guess he thought I was real spiritual. He said, are you receiving this? Because it was unusual, somebody using alcohol. But we were all saints in the room. And so he thought this could not be right. He wanted to find out from me if I was getting the same thing. I said, Brother Steve, 
if he is speaking to you, you better obey him because I'm not hearing what you're getting, what you're telling me. You do it. And he spoke it, and there was somebody right there that was struggling. She started crying in a very tiny room by the size of my office because God showed up when the people came in faith. Amen? You don't have to be afraid. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of bondage against fear. If you are afraid of spiritual things and spiritual gifts, something is wrong in your experience with God. If you would rather not be there, something is happening in you that needs to be exposed. You need light. You should run for it. God, I want to have this. Because the Bible says, the desires of a righteous man shall be granted. That's why he said, desire spiritual gifts. Because we need spiritual gifts to actually minister to the world. You want to be the light of the world. You want to be the salt of the earth. You need those gifts. And the gifts are not for just pastors or people we consider spiritual. You can be born again today and you can receive the spiritual gifts if you're taught properly. And that's what we're doing. We want you to be taught properly so that you can minister both in church. And when you're dealing with individuals that have serious problems, and God, you, God can flow through you and go right into the root of the problem and see them delivered from the hands of Satan. That's the purpose of the gift. And the gift is for every one of us. All of us came, you know, manifest the gift. Jesus said, these signs follow them that believe. Amen. Are you a believer? What signs are following you? How can I tell if you're a true believer? What's going on in your life? How can I truly tell you are a true believer? These signs follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. These signs follow us. In other words, you are not just a natural human being. Some part of you is supernatural. Amen? It is supernatural, and you must believe it and walk in it. So we're talking about this gift so that you know what those gifts, these gifts are, and so you can release your faith and operate in the gift. And we're talking about the vocal gift. We're coming later to the... Um, Power, uh, revelation gifts and then the power gifts which we'll end with and when we go into the power gift we'll finish with the power gift and at the end of it we'll have a healing service and I guarantee you by the power of the name of Jesus I know people will be healed I have no doubt about it and I believe that when that time comes some of the things that you've struggled with for a long time God's going to heal them I really believe that I want you to come when we're through with the message, it's going to be so clear. We come here with faith. And I believe even while you're sitting right there listening to me, God will heal you. Like I've seen that people come to me and say, Pastor, will you, I'm sorry you didn't get to lay hands on me. Because while you were speaking, the pain left. I said, you don't need to apologize. I like it that way. I didn't have to shout or pray or scream. You just, he just did it by himself. Confirming that what I'm saying is the truth. I like it that way. I like it that way. And that's what's going to happen on that day, amen? God's going to do that in our midst. But we need to know these gifts. It's not just for pastors. It's for every one of us. And God can use us, amen? So we're going to talk about the vocal gifts. And I've talked about the vocal gifts. Those are the inspirational gifts. That's the gifts that you use words to express. Tongues, 
interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And we talked about how you can receive, I need to go back again if you were not here, how you can receive tongues for service. Not tongues for your home, for in your prayer language. No, for the service to minister to people. God will impress in you, and you can feel it inside you, that you need to speak out in tongues. Don't hesitate. Speak out in tongues. And be quiet. And God will impress some other person or you, give the interpretation. And I said, interpretation is not translation. So it's not word for word, so to speak. It's interpretation of what is being said. So you can have few words in tongues and a long interpretation. Don't say, I don't think that was of God. It's too long. Tongues were shut. That's not it. And the tongues might be very long and the interpretation very short. Because it's interpretation, not translation. But what happens is you hear the word in tongues, God will give you the interpretation. And usually, he doesn't tell you everything. That's because everything God does is by faith. He wants you to act faith. If you know everything and you've already experienced, then you are not stepping out in faith. So he doesn't tell you everything. He tells you just a few words. And you say, well, tell me more. He says, say those words and then I'll give you more. And you say, no, Lord, tell me everything. And I'm going to say, well, no, speak those words first and then I'll tell you the rest. And you keep arguing, he'll leave you and go to somebody else. Because your head is too tough, you know, he can get through to you. And then the person speaks the word, and you hear the same things that's come through your head. And then you walk up after service, to, you see the Lord gave me the same words, oh, chicken. You couldn't speak. And now you're trying to act spiritual, telling the person, why didn't you say it? And after God has used you the first time, he knows he can use you. He begins to take you into other field. Some people are just satisfied to be in one area. And they're happy there. And he lets them stay there. I don't like being in one area. I want to experiment in other areas as well. Amen. So that God can use you. And he can use anybody who is willing. Once he can find a vessel, he says, oh, I'll use this fellow because they're open. And then we glorify the person because of the gift. No, he's just open to that particular gift. That's what you see. We need to understand the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the truth that frees you. The truth takes the fear away. Amen. So you can exercise your faith. And the Bible also tells us that when you prophesy, you're learning. It's a learning process. If it's a learning process, there is room for mistake. Right? And you can make mistakes. doesn't mean God's not working through you. He's just going to start the work through you. And like a baby, you start making mistakes. And then before long, the work is perfected. But it takes time. Amen? It takes time. Growing your faith as you exercise this particular gift in your life. So that's what it is. Prophecy, tongues and interpretation equals prophecy. Amen. So you can bypass tongues, just give the prophecy. And we said everyone can prophesy. Now, what are the benefits of prophecy? We said that prophecy, tongues and interpretation equal prophecy. Prophecy 
edifies the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, he says, he who, prof- he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. When you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. And he says, he who prophesies edifies the church. You encourage the church. You edify the church. So, in the church service, there is no need to edify yourself in the church service. If you want to edify yourself, do that at home in your prayer time, speaking in tongues. But when you speak in tongues in church, let it be interpreted so that others can be edified as well. And the word edify means to enlighten. That's what that means is revelation. Amen? Enlighten. To teach. To inform. To educate. To improve. That's the word, the meaning of the word edify. That's why I emphasize speaking in tongues in the private so much. I can't pass that. I just have to let you know how important it is. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. What are you doing? You are educating yourself in matters concerning faith. Amen? You are improving yourself. That's what Jude said, Jude 1.20. He says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in tongues and you spend a lot of time praying in tongues, what you are doing is enlightening yourself in matters concerning faith. Even though you don't understand what you're saying, you are enlightening your spirit in things concerning God. You are educating yourself in matters concerning faith. You are improving yourself. Check the word edify, what it means. You are improving yourself in matters concerning faith. I thank God that in 1980s, probably 1980-81, I discovered that praying in tongues is a good thing. And I decided then, one hour every day, I didn't try to be religious, I timed myself. It's 12 o'clock, and I'll stay speaking in tongues until the time goes. few words in English, but most of it in tongues. I did it so much. I didn't want to be called in public to, to pray, because I didn't do that privately. I prayed everything in my head. Every, the words you hear, for the most part, is tongues. You educate yourself. He brings you so much boldness so that you can step out and do things in the things of the Spirit. You're not afraid of anybody because he's teaching you things. He says in First Corinthians, I'm digressing, but it's so important. that This thing is not just about preaching. It's about telling people how you can grow spiritually. It's so important to me. It's very, very important to me. The Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 2, beginning from verse 9, the things that have not come into the ears of men, the things that they don't understand, they, they, nothing, great things that God has not revealed. But he says, God has revealed these things to us by what? By His Spirit that He is giving to us. And in verse 12 he says, now you have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that you might know 
the things that have been freely given to you. How do you make the Spirit show you those things? I suggest praying tongues a lot. Gordon Lindsay, you may not know of him. The FF Bosworth, um, John G. Lake, a great minister of God. John G. Lake especially, Kenneth Hagin, they all tell you. The secret to their ministry, all oh Robert, the secret to their ministry, praying in tongues. What more do you need? Question is obedience now. Obedience. What are you going to do with it or not? Spending time, 30 minutes, an hour, praying in tongues. If there are demonic forces against your life, they will begin, they know this place, your life is too hot. <laughs> we live in this fellow. He won't quit speaking in tongues and we can't stay here. He makes us uncomfortable all the time we're living. Goodbye. And you say good riddance. Amen. But when you pray, in, when you prophesy, your prophecy is to edify, to comfort, and to exhort the church. That's what prophecy does for us. It does that for us. But there is one key thing about prophecy. Prophecy comes to you. Sometimes, for the most part, God has already made you know what's going on. And sometimes you don't. Especially when you're younger in the faith. People will speak things into your life. You know, about your future. What they think God's going to do for you. And uh, you hear it. And then after a while, you know that that's something that you really want. It confirms what you already know inside. When they prophesy to you. Now, there is a key thing that you need to know from Scripture concerning prophecies, especially prophecies that have, been, that have come to you over time, whether it's for business, whether it's for ministry, whether it's for your future, whatever it is. Somehow you're leaning towards that, and God keeps saying things to you through people, and you say, well, I know, and I know, uh, yeah, I heard that before. You need to understand what God is doing. God is giving you a tool for warfare. Just because you have a word of prophecy doesn't mean God's going to do it for you. I've heard people come to me, well, this person prophesied to me about this long time ago and it hasn't happened. I think he's a false prophet. <laughs> no, he's not. She just didn't use the prophecy. Prophecy is used for warfare. Amen? Prophecy is a tool for your hand, in your hand to bring about what God has said about you. Let me put it this way. You remember Jesus, he went into the synagogue and deliberately picked the Isaiah 61 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then after he did that, he sat down in the Messiah's seat and he told them, the scripture is fulfilled today right before your eyes. What did he do? He just fulfilled prophecy. He knew what he was doing. Read Romans chapter, I mean Matthew chapter 8, 16 and 17. Jesus deliberately pulled people that evening and healed all of them. He was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. You use prophecy for battle and Satan can do nothing about it. Let me read you this scripture. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, This 
charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning what? You. That by them, what them? By those prophecies, you may wage what? A good warfare. By those prophecies, you wage a good warfare. Whatever has been spoken over your life, you use those prophecies and say, God, this is what you said. I don't care if it's coming from Pastor Al. If God used him, you say, God, you spoke through Pastor Al. And I know he's a man of God. He wouldn't lie. That's what he said. You will fulfill this prophecy. And guess what? God will do it. I have a real life testimony. I mean, there's a man in Colorado. Uh, I can't recall his name. But his son, while the boy was growing up, he, he was a minister. He's a minister, really. He went around the country, and everywhere he went, people prophesied over his son. They prophesied over his son. And he said, you're going to be this, and you're going to be that. God's going to use you, and all of that. And he noted that. And it was constant. Great men of God prophesied over this same boy. Over and over. Andrew Warbuck. They prophesied over the son over, over and over again. So he, the son knew it and understood it. Father, mother, everybody knew what had been said concerning him. And he was consistent. And then guess what? The boy died. And none of the prophecy had come to pass. His older brother called, Daddy, Daddy, the son is dead. He's in the morgue in the hospital. He's dead. And daddy was going and started thinking and said, God, what about all these prophecies? These are men of God. They couldn't lie. They were consistent. This doesn't make sense, God. He can die. Your word hasn't been fulfilled. This man didn't lie. So, so, so man said this about him. Another one said this about him. And this other man said this about him. What's going on, God? How can he die? You are God. Your word cannot fall to the ground. Your word must be fulfilled. He got to the hospital. His son ran to him. He said, Daddy, I've been trying to get to you. What happened? I couldn't reach you. He says, what's the matter? He says, well, after I spoke to you, after a while, he just sat up. The dead man Shut up. If I was in the room, I'll take off. I'm telling you. <laughs> For the door. He just sat up. God raised him from the dead. And that man has that in his ministry as a testimony to minister to the people. When God gives you, that's how powerful prophecies can be. Don't just hear it. Oh, yeah. No. Remind God about this. Prophecies. You use your prophecy for good warfare. You know why it's a good warfare? Because you win every time. Amen. You win. When you use the prophecy for warfare, you win. Prophesy to me, brothers. (laughs) Speak God's word. Let God use you to speak into my life. I was reminding uh, the lady I called Mama and Papa, Mama in uh, Georgia, when they, they sat me in a place and spoke a lot of things over me, and as they were speaking, I was thinking, ah, you guys are so nice. But I'm leaving it today. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. 
I didn't know that God was going to use me to cast out many devils, the way they put it. But in 1988, it was almost every day I was doing deliverance for people. They knew to, they knew to come to me just after they spoke the words. You use the word of God, the prophecies for <coughs> good warfare. Amen? Well, I need to educate you a little bit on this. Just because you prophesy doesn't mean you are a prophet. Every one of us can prophesy. You know what it says in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31? It says, for you can all prophesy. Not you or may. You can, may all. No, you can all prophesy. One by one. That all may be edified or will be encouraged. That's in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31. But everyone that prophesies is not a prophet. So because you prophesy, God can take you from that prophecy, if that's the main thing, He can lead you into being a prophet. But the prophet is a man or a woman, a prophetess, okay? That's an office, just like the pastor. You understand? The pastor is an office. The apostle is an office. It's a man or a woman, you know, pastor. That's the way it is. Uh, a prophet is different. It's because somebody says, well, I'm not a prophet. I'm not supposed to prophesy. You be quiet. Now, we know you are not a prophet. But you can prophesy. Amen? You can prophesy. And if God wants you to be a prophet, he can take you from there into becoming a prophet. And a prophet doesn't just, just prophesy. There are other things going on in the prophet's life. He's a real man of God. Kenneth Hagin, I believe, was a prophet. But if you read his story, you won't even know that this man was a prophet. But he was really a prophet. Jesus appeared to him. There were things that Jesus told him. That's what happens to prophets, right? Things, he'll write things that will shock you. He was really a prophet. Jesus sat with him and talked to him. And revealed things to him that he wrote in his book. But he prophesied in services. But he was a prophet in our time. King Clement, that's one of that one is a prophet. But he just don't prophesy. He does other things. He sings also. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's a man. He occupies that office. Now let me read the scripture here. Acts chapter 21, verse 8 through 10. It says, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea, uh, Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Philip was with Stephen, who was stoned to death, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, verse 9 is so important. It says, Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Notice it, they didn't, the scripture didn't say they, they were prophets. It says they prophesied. He had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Can you tell the difference? It didn't say Agabus prophesied. No, he was a prophet. So Philip had four daughters that prophesied. In other words, they could prophesy. But they were not prophetesses. They could prophesy because the Bible says every one of us can prophesy. Everyone. 
can. And the Bible actually says, Paul told us, desire to prophesy. Not just speaking tongues, desire also to prophesy. And I need to go further. Prophecies are not designed to guide you. Amen. If you follow prophecies, you're going to get confused if you're going to use that for the guidance. Because a lot of people say, well, this person said this and all that. And they may be saying the truth, but the timing is up to God. You can't allow yourself to be led by prophecies. I hear prophecies, but that's not what leads me. I got to be led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, I believe verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many as are led by prophecies. You don't go to somebody and say, Well, let them prophesy to me so I know what I should do. They'll tell you something to do that God has nothing to do with it. Inside, God will teach you and guide you. As to what to do. I don't rely. You rely on the word of God. And him speaking to you in your own spirit. That's the truth. As many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Not as many as are led by prophets. It's just God's spirit leading you. That's what's happening in the church. People running back and forth. Instead of waiting on God. To help them, they're running back and forth looking for somebody to prophesy. You got it all wrong. And you are going to get in trouble doing that. God will lead you. Jesus said, they shall all be taught of God from the least to the greatest. His spirit, the one in you, is going to teach you. That's why you don't make any men nothing. Because the church gets to fall so badly because a man has made a mistake. You put your faith in man and not the word of God. Stay with the word and follow through with the word and watch God use you. If he's using them, why can't he use me? That's what's wrong with the church. We set them apart and make them stars in the church and then we sit back and we clap him for them. I don't like to do that. I respect them. I pray for their ministry. I want their ministry to grow because we're doing But if we have more of them, then it's going to really be wonderful. I heard Benny Hinn really lamenting. There are few of us today that will do this healing thing. Why is that? Because Christians just want to sit there and clap for their, quote, their stars. But we're teaching you can be that as well. Amen? You can be that as well. You can start today. You can make up your mind and begin to desire, yes, God, are you going to use me to change life? You, you need to see how it feels when God uses you, maybe in a few words or in prayer, and a person's life is transformed before your eyes. The satisfaction is more than gold. I'm telling you, the satisfaction that God, Almighty God, is walking through you and bringing a change to a person's life. Because you allowed yourself to be used. This is so beautiful. So you are not supposed to be led by that. And uh, there's a curious scripture I want to draw your attention to. And uh, 
in case you've been in a, in a in a place where you just this prophecy thing, everything has to be balanced. Ah, uh, prophecy, they've started again. No, you can't have that attitude. You have to welcome it. It's important. Amen. In First Thessalonians five, verse nineteen through twenty-one. He says, do not quench the spirit. Amen? Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. That's kind of curious. Despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. And I started thinking, why will anybody despise prophecies? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Do you, you want to know? Well, the way I put it, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm sure that Paul was writing because of the same things that we've seen. I've seen in my lifetime. It's not always the case, but from time to time you meet people who prophesy. And you watch the way they live, and you say, oh, Lord, if that's it, I don't want anything to do with it. How many have been there? <laughs> I know. It's really hard to open up to it after you've seen that. They prophesy, and they are really accurate. I've met some in recent times. Angela and I have met some. Some of the things we later heard, they were serious. And the gifts are still at work in their lives. Ministers. It's still at work. Some of them are so accurate you won't believe it. But then what you see in their lives, it's like, oh my God, what is this? Is this God? And then the tendency is to say, if that's the way it is, I just want to be normal. I don't want that. That's dangerous also. The reason is, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God allows a gift in your life, and you know how to line yourself up with the gift, He's going to work with you. It doesn't mean He's pleased with you. He's going to work with you. Remember Samson? He was with a harlot, right? He got out of the bed of a harlot, went and pulled the gifts. And walked up a mountain with it. You think he did it with his own strength? No. That was the Spirit of God. After walking with, being with a, with a harlot. You see how it is? So when you see those things, you're trying to, I don't want that. No, you don't want to go there. You don't judge what God is doing based on the man. That's why you don't have superstars in this church. He just knows how to open up with God in that. So when I see that, I don't get discouraged. I still value prophecy. I'm just amazed. And you pray for this man that God will help him open his eyes to see that something is not right. Because what happens is they tend to think, because God is using me and God is still at work, then he must not be angry with what I'm doing. That's the danger that Samson had. It destroyed him. That's why the Bible says, don't despise prophesying. 
All you need to do is judge it. See if it's right. Hold fast to what is good. Amen? When it's good, hold fast to it. Because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You don't need to shrink back because I don't want to go there because what if I start doing this and I wind up like this man doing crazy stuff and still prophesy? I don't want that. I just want to be a normal Christian. What is your definition of a normal Christian? <laughs> a normal Christian is the one who prophesies. Amen? A normal Christian is the one who prays in tongues and interprets. The one who uses all the gifts of the, of that the Bible gives. When it comes to living, it's between me and my God. And I need to cleanse myself so that God can use me more. Generally, those individuals stay in that one gift. Because they know how to operate that gift. But other things, uh uh-uh. God can't work with them. They can't learn anymore. They stay right where they are. No desire for anything else. So I wanted to put that in there so you understand how important this is. But that shouldn't stop us from desiring spiritual gifts and from prophecy. Especially to prophesy. If I have my way, I will tell the ushers, lock that door, make sure nobody leaves, and make sure we wait here until somebody prophesies. Or, better said, until everybody prophesies. Amen. And I tell you what, if we will come before God with that kind of mindset, Remember what the Bible says. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. If we have that mindset and we come together, heaven will come down. Because we are in agreement. And you won't believe what God will do among us. And once it happens, once, his gifts and callings are what? Without repentance. In other words, he doesn't take it back. He stays with our church. Amen? That's what my heart's desire is. I want to see the young people coming back and telling me, we went this place and God gave us this and we prayed for this person and they got healed. They were all screaming. They're coming to church on Sunday. Oh, I love that. I will be excited to see them in church. My guys are healing them in Jesus' name. Amen? And prophesying to them and telling them. That's what God... That's what this thing is all about. When you read, and I'm closing with this, when you read of the life of Jesus and the way he carried himself, he was the master. He was above everything. As you read, you can tell nothing can go against this man. Words of wisdom. They were even scared after a while to ask questions, you know, or to try to test him. Because when he gives you his answer, you say, oh, we can't trap this man. He was the master. He said, I am the light of the world. But then he turned around and he's saying to you and I, you are the light of the world. I want to walk the way he walked. Amen. I want to do the things that he did. I don't want to be just an ordinary Christian. With nothing to talk about that's supernatural that God 
himself has done through my life. How many want God to use them? Let me see your hand up. You want God to use you. It's so easy. Just desire it. Amen? And begin to ask. Stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, by the grace of God, we'll be going into the revelation gifts. I believe that many of you have operated in one, at least one of the revelation gifts. You just didn't know what was going on. But I'll let you know what's going on and how you can improve on that gift and rely on that gift when you are dealing on a one-to-one. The revelation gifts, they are very powerful when you're dealing with one-to-one, dealing with a person and trying to help them. They are very important. And the, the other gifts, the power gifts, we'll talk about right after that. Would you raise your hands up to the Lord today and thank Him that these gifts are available. See to Him. God, I thank you. I believe everyone here is saved. If you're not saved, just cry after Him and He'll save you. But tell Him, God, I'm a candidate for your gifts. I'm a candidate for your gifts. I want those gifts. I want those gifts. I want them operating through me. And if there is anything in your life that will hinder you from pursuing after that, these gifts, tell God, I want it out of my life. Kill this thing. Kill this thing in my life so that I can follow after you. Kill this thing. Because I want to operate in your gifts. I want you to use me to reach out to my fellow men and show some kindness and bring some healing and give them a little life from Jesus. Amen. All heads bow. Our eyes closed. You're here this morning and you say, I really want to know Jesus personally. I know of him, but I want a personal, personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I want him in my life. I want to walk with him. I want an intimate relationship with Jesus. I want it today. If that's what's in your heart, that's a good thing you have. And all you have to do is let him know. So he can acknowledge what is in your heart. You're here this morning and you say, that's me. I want that for me. Let me see your hand up quickly. Put your hand up quickly. Thank you. Thank you. And let God bless you. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord this morning. Again, and let's just thank him for who he is. Let him know that you know that he loves you. That's very important. Say, God, I thank you for loving me. I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love me. Regardless of what I may have done, I know you love me. I just heard a word this morning. God is purging the church today. And I believe that's what he's doing. God is cleansing the church, getting the church ready for our work. Our church also, by the grace of God, will be moving into a new place. Are you ready? Are you ready for God to use you? Are you ready for God to take you to another level? Are you just satisfied where you are? I hate it when Christians are satisfied with what they think they are doing that is so spiritual before God. We want more. That's what it is. We want more. Father, we thank you, God. We want more of your spirit. We want more of Jesus. 
We want more of His ways in our lives. We want more of our God. We want to be able to reach out, not just for the gifts, so that we can truly minister to, to one another and to the world. That is what it's all about. Not the gifts, but what we can do through the gifts, reaching out and bringing healing from heaven into the lives of the hurting. We thank you, God. We know you're here, Spirit of the living God. And we're so grateful that you are at work with us. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.